Please join in our unison call to worship. The Lord is good and does the right thing, teaching sinners which way they should go. God guides the weak to justice, teaching them God's way. All the Lord's paths are love and faithfulness. Let us worship God. Here in our worship, the weary are refreshed as we just sang. Those who are weary of keeping it all together, weary of trying to be perfect, 
Weary of living up to so much less than what we say we believe, we find refreshment here in honesty and in truth-telling about what's actually wrong in our world and where our sin, our actions and our inaction, allow that wrong to persist. And far from burdening us with guilt or shame, confessing our sin before God and one another refreshes us. So let's do that together using our unison prayer of confession. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, you call us to proclaim the gospel, but we remain silent in the presence of evil. You call us to be reconciled to you and one another, but we are content to live in separation. You call us to seek the good of all, but we fail to resist the powers of oppression. Forgive us, O Lord. Reconcile us to you by the power of your spirit and give us the courage and strength to be reconciled to others. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Here then is good news for the weary soul, that the love of God is stronger than our will. The love of God is so strong, in fact, as to act upon us without our even, even knowing, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to make us new. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And as forgiven people, we enjoy peace with God, peace with one another, near and far. For those of you worshiping online this morning, I invite you to extend that peace by using the online pew pad, scanning the QR code on the screen or clicking the link below the video player. For those in this room in person, I invite you to extend that peace to those around you with words and gestures. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. Please exchange peace with your neighbors. The Lord be with you and welcome to worship at Fourth Church. It is my pleasure to welcome you to this celebration of World Communion Sunday, both here in the sanctuary and online, as well as to welcome our guest preacher, the Reverend Brian Ellison. Brian is the executive director of the Covenant Network of Presbyterians, an organization of our denomination that this congregation has had a hand in starting and sustaining from the very beginning. The Covenant Network of Presbyterians works toward the full inclusion of LGBTQIA people in the life and the leadership of the church. And so we are delighted to welcome Brian with us this morning. Please take a moment here in the sanctuary to add your name to the worshiper information form in the pew pad so that we can know that you were here in worship and so be strengthened in our connections to one another as a community of faith. This is an exciting season of life at Forth. 
There's a new adult ed class starting this morning, debunking myths and discovering common ground with Islam. Our Blessing of the Animals service is next Saturday. New installments of our weekly devotional uh, videos and twice monthly Bible podcasts are still coming out. There's knitting and crocheting happening. Cornerstones meets on Friday. Children's and youth ministries have launched into the year. There is so much happening here to get connected to. And you can find everything that you need to get connected to any of that or all of it in the news and opportunities uh, portion of your worship bulletin in front of you or also by looking at our website, fourthchurch.org. So I would encourage you to do that. Looking a little bit further out, it's also an exciting season because our interim pastor, Tom R. Jr., is set to join us four weeks from today. It's also stewardship season where we're looking at and planning for ministry in the coming year and beyond and making our own personal pledges to that ministry. To that end, the coffee hour following worship in Anderson Hall this morning is sponsored by the Stewardship and Giving Council. So there'll be folks at a table over in Anderson Hall to tell you more about how you can make your pledge and why that really matters, why that's important. This is also the season in our life together when we are seeking new leadership from among the congregation, elders, deacons, trustees, members of our Chicago Lights Board and our nominating committee. This means that we need you to nominate people who you think have gifts of leadership to share with the whole church. That might even be yourself. Today is the day to do that. So please look at that news and opportunities portion of your bulletin to find out exactly how to nominate someone for leadership. It is also, as I said, World Communion Sunday, where we join together with Christians across the globe to celebrate our common bond as the body of Christ. So if you are worshiping online, you'll want to have some bread and some juice on hand so that we can all experience the sacrament together. Once again, friends, welcome to worship at Fourth Church. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, amen. amen. Our Psalter reading this morning is from Psalm 25, verses one through nine. Listen now for God's word to us. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Rather, let those be put to shame who are treacherous. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you I have trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are everlasting. Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your steadfast love and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. You are gracious and upright, O Lord. Therefore, you teach sinners in your way. You lead the lowly in justice and you teach the lowly your way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Grace and peace to you this morning. It is my joy and privilege to be here this morning. I want to extend my gratitude to uh, Reverend Dr. Forster Smith and the whole staff here for their hospitality and for this gracious invitation. Uh, as Dr. Suppinger said, the Covenant Network of Presbyterians has a long and glorious history with this congregation, but what I really want to praise you for is not that history, but for your ongoing support. You are making the ministry we do together with the other 450 congregations in our network uh, effective and meaningful and is transforming the church and transforming people's lives. So for your support and for your gracious invitation to me today, I want to say thank you. Let us turn now together to hear God's word from Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. The first World Communion Sunday was 90 years ago today. Not, as you might think, at some international conference in the halls of the World Council of Churches, which did not exist yet. Not spearheaded by bishops and patriarchs from around the globe. It began in a large, nationally known Presbyterian church. Not this one. Shady Side Presbyterian in Pittsburgh. It was the idea of the pastor, Hugh Thompson Kerr, who a few years before, in 1930, had traveled the country as moderator of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church. And out of that experience of the American church in the Depression, seeing the global turmoil of that interwar period, he conceived of an annual celebration of the thing that that ritual, he believed, spoke most deeply of 
of that which holds the church together symbolically everywhere and always. Now, we might have some questions about the boldness of taking an observance celebrated by a handful of white, English-speaking, Northeastern Protestants and calling it Worldwide Communion Sunday, but the idea stuck and it spread, and today we are celebrating with churches all around the world, a reminder of this table's purpose to anchor us, to identify us with one another, sharing one cup even in turbulent times, and we know those too. Of course, Fourth is another nationally known church that has long been a place where we have seen visual signs of the church coming together that significantly included the founding of the Covenant Network. Since 1997, when your former moderator pastor of the General Assembly, John Buchanan, joined with other leaders across the denomination to commit themselves to building a church that would one day fully affirm LGBTQIA people like me and our gifts for ministry, and for our place partaking and serving and presiding at this table. Fourth has supported and sustained a national conversation even during turbulent times. You hosted many national and regional events, including just yesterday, our covenant conversation for the Presbytery of Chicago, plumbing the depths of what it means to work for the liberation and equity of all people, including especially queer people of color, who, as we heard yesterday, experience intersecting oppressions, marginalization among the marginalized. Here, yesterday, we were challenged again to get beyond words and mere welcome to an authentic community, to true belonging, to a place where all of us, in the fullness of our identity, come together as who we really are. The communion table still speaks of that kind of community. And for me, that was never more true than the first time I met a young man named Keith. It was some years ago at another of our national conferences, we'd offered scholarships to half a dozen seminarians they could come free of charge to share in fellowship and to learn together. And one of those seminarians was Keith. He was young from a conservative church and family and just in the process of acknowledging to himself, if not yet to family and friends, that he was gay. It was a source of torment for him because while his sense of call to ministry was strong, he had never known an openly gay minister or even seen one at work. Now, it would be years later that I would talk at length with Keith about that conference, about the conversations he had that were crucial in giving him the beginnings of hope, and about how, when Keith sat in that closing worship service and watched as an out gay minister, who happened to be me, though it could have been any of the growing number of us who were finally able to serve openly, Keith watched as I officiated communion, the first time Keith had seen such a thing, and it was a life-changing moment. Taking the bread and the cup, he thought that one day that could and would be him for the first time. And today, I'm pleased to tell you it is him. Keith is an ordained minister. I don't see Keith often now that he's finished a full term on the board of the Covenant Network of Presbyterians, but I can see him in my mind's eye this morning presiding at a table at the church he pastors in Virginia, a table not so different from this one, and doing it in fulfillment of who he is.
So who are we? Who are we in our fullness? Who do you think you are? Maybe the Apostle Paul can help. His letter to the Philippians is a compact Christian message. It's four chapters repeatedly offering gratitude and affirmation, an invitation to joy in common life, even if we do read between the lines that this corner of the Roman Empire knew its own share of turbulent times. And at the heart of the chapter we read today, maybe the heart of the whole book is this poem, this song, sometimes known as the kenosis hymn, that's Greek, the emptying hymn, for what it says about Jesus emptying himself of his godness. The verses were probably around before Paul wrote the book. We might think he's quoting them to tell us a little something about Jesus, sort of dropping a little theology lesson in the middle of his thank you and, by the way, please keep sending me your donations letter. And it was stewardship season after all. No, I think he's actually doing something more, though, with this text. Paul offers this little reflection not just to teach the Philippians something about Jesus, but to teach the Philippians something about themselves, about how they could be of the most service, about how to live. He asks the community to make his joy complete. He asks them to be of the same mind, the same love, to be of one mind. He asks them to put others before self and to show humility. And then Jesus is served up as an example. Jesus who empties himself at the cross. Paul asks them to consider the fullness of who Jesus is, God incarnate, and then consider how he expressed that by suffering and going to the cross. And then Paul asks them to consider the reality of who Jesus was then, a crucified criminal, and see how God raised him up. He says to them, he says to us, be like Jesus. Think about who Jesus was and how he defied expectations about his identity and how in the end Jesus was not what people thought he was or thought he should be, but who God had made Jesus to be. And when Paul asks them to have the same mind as Jesus, he's asking of them something not so different from what we have asked over and over when we're invited to this table, when we're asked to receive Christ's invitation to bring our real selves to this table coming together in this world, in this community, in these turbulent times, but we have to ask ourselves, who are we? Who are we? History is full of moments where people have gotten that answer wrong, where people who enjoyed authority and privilege have thought of themselves more highly than they ought puffed up by power and causing great harm, selfishly squandering resources, leaving destruction in their wake. And history is just as full of moments where people who have been oppressed, who have suffered injustice, have been taught to think of themselves not highly enough, especially because of their race or their gender identity or their sexual orientation. They were expected to submit to their own oppression and exclusion, missing opportunities, depriving the world of hope and solutions and new beginnings. 
But which Jesus is Paul asking us to be like? The divine one who empties himself or the broken one who gets lifted up? Are you called to a Christ-like swell of humility and submission and sacrifice, or rather, to an embrace of the dignity and honor and praiseworthiness that is your unseen but God-given gift? I've come to believe that struggling to answer that question is the journey of faith that Paul is writing about when he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It is a journey of self-reflection on identity, who we have been and who we've become and who we are called to be. It is a piercing assessment of even what parts of ourselves are in tension with each other that make us up in fullness. It is asking, who do I think I am? I love the parts of my work with the Covenant Network that involve coming to places like Fourth Presbyterian Church. My 11 years doing this work have been a rewarding time of seeing the church's progress in becoming more inclusive of LGBTQIA people, winning votes, changing policies, seeing new leaders emerge. But at times, I've got to tell you, this work is also heart-wrenching. The hard parts of this work usually start with a phone call or an email from a person whose life is in a crisis. Sometimes it's a very public crisis, sometimes the crisis is known only to them, but almost always it's a crisis that involves their identity. It's a crisis about who they think they are and who other people think they are. There's the pastor in the middle of a long-term successful pastorate who, though presenting to the world as a man, has for years understood herself to be a woman, but cannot imagine a scenario where they could share that honestly with the people of their church, even though these people are wonderful and loving. There's another pastor who, though a man in a faithful monogamous marriage to a woman, acknowledged to colleagues and to youth group parents that he was bisexual and whose ministry was over in that place in a flurry of false rumors and misunderstanding within six months. There's the elder in a church who, upon telling her pastor that she identified as female and coming to church wearing a dress one Sunday, received a visit from the pastor and his wife who prayed over her without her consent for what they called healing. There are a lot more of these stories, all of them in the last few years, after the Presbyterian Church voted to change policies to theoretically be more inclusive, more welcoming of all. Over and over, the church has the opportunity to help people understand who they are as children of God, as people made by God, as they are, And over and over, we as society and as church struggle to do this right. On the one hand, we understand more than ever about how elements of our identity shape us 
how our racial and ethnic background shapes us, how our innate sexual orientation and gender identity go beyond our choosing or preference, how cultural constructs have a hold on how we see ourselves and find our place in the world. Yet every week, the lives of people are afflicted by the painful realities of our day, dismissive talk of identity politics that minimizes real pain and downplays authentic struggle. Communities that find themselves unable to speak up in their own defense, elbowed out of their place at the table, even in so-called progressive churches, made to settle for crumbs but not bread, water but not wine. It doesn't have to be this way. But for it to stop, all of us, including those of us who are not L or G or B or T or Q or black or indigenous or Spanish-speaking or neurodiverse or living with a disability, all of us have to do our own wrestling with our identity, with who we are. For it to stop, we must all ask what to do with these selves that we are, all of ourselves, in our fullness. And it is a question of how to honor what has been entrusted to us in these bodies and these spirits. Only when we fully understand who we are do we know what needs to be emptied. Only when we know our mind can we let that be the same one that was in Christ. So friends, what in your identity is it time to empty? What in your identity is it time to lift up? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. It seems like a lot to ask, but I think it's our first step toward freedom, toward liberation, toward resurrection. Where do you think of yourself most highly? We might ask ourselves, is it more highly than we ought? Are we considering our power something to be grasped, our abilities something to be exploited, our faith a point of pride, our accomplishments something we deserve? And if we emptied some of that, it, if we gave up our seat at one of the many tables we occupy, if we devoted those energies to something that brought us no gain but instead benefited another, if in the quiet of prayer or the noise of the assembly we humbled ourselves even for a moment and listened rather than spoke, who else might be lifted up? Or where do you find yourself bent and broken? Which of your yearnings and self-understandings have already left you empty? Where have you become enslaved by other people's definitions of you? What refrain that plays in your head each day is crucifying you? What part of your identity is in need of being raised up and celebrated and given a new and honored name? In a moment at this table, I'll speak the words, great is the mystery of faith. And at other tables, at almost exactly the same time, so will Keith in Virginia, so will the pastor who is by and serving a new congregation now, so will the pastor whose congregation does not know that she is a she.
and churches large and small in the north and south and east and west will sing in response, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Friends, may the same mind that was in Christ be in us. May our arrogance and independence die. May our hope and confidence in who God has made us rise. And by God's Spirit, may we know exactly who we are again and again and always until Christ comes. Amen. Let us remain standing as we affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He descended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The roses on the chancel this morning indicate changes in our church family. The red rose is in honor of the birth of Brooks Mackenzie Gale, child of Heather Gale, who was born on September 20th. We have also learned of the death of longtime church member Robert W. Montgomery, who entered the church triumphant on June 14th. In life and in death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for this, we give thanks and praise. Amen. It is time now to offer our gifts to God. Freely we have received and freely we do give so that our young people may grow in the knowledge that they are loved so that those who hunger may find a place around a crowded table, so that all who feel lost 
may find by grace a hospitable welcome, so that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So this morning, you may give your gift to God online, in this sanctuary, by mail, or through Venmo. Give this day with a generous heart and deep gratitude. Our morning offering will now be received.
Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from north and south, from east and west, to sit at table in the kingdom of God. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Friends, this is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share the feast that he has prepared. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Blessed are you, strong and faithful God. All your works, the height and the depth, echo the silent music of your praise. In the beginning, your words summoned light. Night withdrew and dawn created. As ages passed unseen, waters gathered on the face of the earth and life appeared. When the time at last had ripened and the earth grown to full abundance, you created humanity in your image, the stewards of all creation. You gave us breath and speech that all the living might find a voice to sing your praise and to celebrate the creation you called good. So now with the powers of heaven and earth, we sing the ageless hymn of your glory. Holy God, how wonderful is the work of your hands. When sin had scarred the world, you entered into covenant to renew the whole creation. As a mother tenderly gathers her children, as a father joyfully welcomes his own, you embraced the people as your own and filled them with longing for a peace that would last and for a justice that would never fail. Through countless generations, your people hungered for the bread of freedom. From them you raised up Jesus, your son, the living bread, in whom ancient hungers are satisfied. He healed the sick. Though he himself would suffer, he offered life to sinners, though death would hunt him down. But with a love stronger than death, he opened wide his arms and surrendered his spirit. On the night before he met with death, Jesus came to the table with those he loved. 
He took bread and praised you, God of all creation. He broke the bread among his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body given for you. When the supper was ended, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to you, God of all creation. He passed the cup among his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Gracious God, as we offer you our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we commemorate Jesus, your Son. Death could not bind him, for you raised him up in the spirit of holiness and exalted him as Lord of creation. Great is the mystery of faith. Eternal God, let your Holy Spirit move in power over us and over these earthly gifts of bread and wine, that they may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ, and that we may become one in him. May his coming in glory find us, ever watchful in prayer, strong in truth and love, and faithful in the breaking of the bread. Then at last all peoples will be freed, all divisions healed, and with your whole creation we sing your praise through your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we, many as we are, are one body, for it is one loaf of which we partake. When we break the bread, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? When we give thanks for the cup, is it not sharing in the blood of Christ? These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Ministering in God's name, we offer them to you.
Please join in reciting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us join together in prayer. Loving God, you have given us a share in the one bread and the one cup and made us one with Christ. Help us to bring your salvation and joy to all the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
friends, go from this place knowing who you are, emptying where you need to empty yourself, but always everywhere allowing God to raise you up and give you life. And the grace of Jesus the Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.